I will speak faster than you may anticipate that I can, given my southern accent. (laughs) I was born and raised in what I call the Bible and bigotry belt. (laughs) Though reformed, I was also raised Southern Baptist. Without judgment, I likened my father to Archie Bunker. And my mother is both rigid and vocal, vocal about her beliefs of what are right and wrong biblically. I, my childhood and formative years were very difficult, secondary to significant childhood trauma perpetrated by my brother. I was in fear for my life. Most days I um, didn't know if I would be alive at the end of the day. I had no place to go with my secrets or my vulnerabilities. In the sixth grade, other children started bullying and calling me gay. I prayed every night from sixth grade until I finished high school, God, please, please send me a boyfriend. (laughs) That did not happen. I was so grateful when I got to college to finally have female friends I didn't care about dating. When I did really start dating men, The relationships were disastrous. At 33 in graduate school, I met a woman that I thought was just fabulous. She was beautiful and smart and witty and socially adept. All of the things that I thought I was not. I began to ponder, did I want to be like her or did I want to be with her? She was heterosexual, but she sparked in me a feeling like none before. At 36, I completed graduate school and became a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I began to look for jobs outside of the South. I had traveled extensively, just not west of the Mississippi. (laughs) I have 19 years of education, but only six weeks of geography in the seventh grade. I had had never heard of the Aleut people or the Aleutians, but blindly I took a position. (laughs) Knowing that I probably would not be dating much given the size of the villages and my new profession, I packed preparedly. (laughs) I went to the airport and the tribal health organization for whom I was to be employed had not purchased a ticket. (laughs) I went back the next day and I suddenly became a suspicious traveler. An elder TSA agent came to ticketing in front of the entire line and began to assault my luggage. First out was a large purple vibrator. I was mortified knowing there was a second one in the shape of a butterfly that a friend had given me. And I whispered, I don't know if I can whisper on the microphone, but I said, sir, there's a second one. He said, ma'am, don't worry, I have seen it all. And then I began to panic because I knew there was a pornographic DVD yet to be discovered. I said, I whispered again, sir, is it illegal to travel with pornography? He said, ma'am, as long as it's not child pornography, no. (laughs) I hid my face and I got on a plane in Columbia, South Carolina, 
and landed on a dirt landing strip in King Cove, Alaska. <laughs> dressed as any good Southern woman would in heels. Not stilettos though, I knew better. After I settled in, I asked the postmistress, when does the bell arrive? Laughingly, she said, when the planes can fly. I also quickly learned that my umbrella should not have made the journey. I signed a two-year contract and 15 years later, I am in Alaska. I traveled the Aleutians and Pribilof Islands for three years, providing both psychiatric as well as general medical care. As I look back, I know today that I was running away from myself. My journey to authenticity started in Alaska. Secondary to a life of profound depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and genetics, I also suffered, suffered with addiction. I went to a women's AA meeting, and a woman named Pat invited me to lunch with the group afterwards. I quickly assessed that she was gay and said to myself, I am not going to be associated with that gay crowd. <laughs> not soon later, I did learn that it was a genuine offer of fellowship and lunch. Sexuality had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I had also been in therapy in South Carolina for several years and decided again it was time to take the road less traveled. Pat and I became good friends and I eventually mustered the courage to say, for the first time, I think I might be gay. I would spend Friday night with her, get up on Saturday morning, insist that we drive separate cars to the meeting. Um, she was patient and understanding, knowing my difficulty with shame and self-acceptance. I had Pat, I eventually mustered the courage to tell my mother, Southern mother that I was gay, and she hastened me to seek the counsel of a preacher. I knew that was not the answer. However, I understood from where she was coming. I had Pat in my life for the better part of 10 years until she passed away from ovarian cancer last July. My mother shed tears for not being open to getting to know her better. I was at a crossroads. I had wonderful support and I chose to grieve and move forward. An opportunity, a moment presented itself last fall, and as a result of 12 years of therapy, nine in Anchorage, and several years of recovery, I was able to access my voice for the first time in my life in such a way that I had freedom. My anxiety was gone. My therapist is here this evening to share in my joy of my growth and healing and to support me in my first ever public speaking. I have wanted to speak publicly just about anything my entire life, but have not been able to do so because of anxiety and panic. Today, I have... Today I have no shame about anything about me. I am a proud lesbian, 
daily managing my recovery and my mental health. I, my life is not perfect. I still suffer with transient depression, but my life is exponentially better. I am so grateful for those who have helped me on my journey and especially those who continue to assist others to achieve their highest quality of life. The line from the song, a song, my partner's Pat's favorite song that resonates with me is from Tim McGraw, Always Stay Humble and Kind, and it says, when you get to where you're going, don't forget to turn around and help the next one in line. I would also like to say thank you to all of you who showed up naked for me tonight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>